Welcome to Onside, the official podcast from the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Our mission is to protect the health of athletes and the integrity of Australian sport. Hello and welcome to Onside. I'm Tim Gavel. Well, Sport Integrity Australia will launch on the 1st of July. Sport Integrity Australia is the new agency bringing the Commonwealth's Sport Integrity Workforce into one organisation. So from July the 1st, the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority, ASADA, the National Integrity of Sport Unit, NISU, and the National Integrity Programs of Sport Australia will join forces to become one entity, providing national coordination and streamlined support to sports. David Sharp, who's the current CEO of ASADA and with a decorated high-level police career, has been appointed as the CEO of Sport Integrity Australia. Well, David, firstly, welcome to Onside and congratulations on your appointment. It's a big role, isn't it? It is, Tim. It's, a, it's an absolute honour to have been appointed to the uh, inaugural CEO of Sport Integrity Australia. Uh, lots of challenges ahead, ahead, particularly in the current climate, um, but certainly looking forward to rolling the sleeves up and um, getting on with it. Where do you see the major threats to the integrity of sport in Australia? Well, Tim, if you took me back two, three months ago, I said the major threats in sport are, are from organised crime, um, infiltrating sport and, and vulnerabilities in sport. But Right at the moment, I think the immediate threat is uh, that is, that has been exposed is is the fact that the COVID virus has led to an economic downturn in sport and and staff have been reduced across integrity, education and welfare units. And I think that really has exposed some major vulnerabilities across um, sporting bodies. So do you see that void in sport where key staff are being laid off as a threat to the integrity of sport because welfare officers and people who might be there to advise athletes may not be there in the future in, in individual sports. Yeah, I certainly do. Uh, athletes and sporting bodies um, have um, very structured organisations and, and athletes are told when to arrive, when to sleep, when to eat, um, when to train and uh, what, what goes in their body. Without that sort of uh, supervision on a day-to-day basis, it really exposes them to... Um, um, vulnerabilities around uh, making decisions that they don't normally or haven't normally had to make. But from that, it opens up opportunities for organised crime um, to go in and exploit them and, and use that to their benefit in betting markets. Do you see the benefit of SIA uh, being able to go in and help those sports with integrity, with governance and be a one-stop shop for sports looking to, to get back on their feet? Tim, it's certainly refocused my thoughts and, and the thoughts of where I see Sport Integrity Australia's priorities are in the future. Certainly, um, phase one was bringing the agencies together that you mentioned at the start of the program. Um, stage two from 1 July was about building on that and building our capability uh, to look at national uh, legislation around match-fixing offences, um, to look at betting units and, and betting integrity um, but certainly now um, my priority is refocused and I think we really need to now work with the sports and understand better what the threats are as a, as a result of COVID virus and we need to work in the, as a priority um, in having sports resume competition with all the protections available. A number of sports, the professional sports such as AFL, already have integrity units. Do you feel as though that you'll be working with them and possibly learning off each other going forward? Yes, certainly. We've we've looked and worked very closely with sporting integrity units across the country who've done, I've said many times, done a fantastic job establishing their uh, integrity bodies and, 
and then how they approach uh, integrity in sport. For me, the biggest threat though is being able to, to, to look at what they've done that's been successful and work out how we can scale that to be able to implement some of those procedures and policies across sports that don't have integrity units. So just looking at uh, some of those other sports, we're, we're talking here about some of the Olympic sports and the lead up to the Olympic Games next year. And the fact is they need to get back on their feet pretty quickly. Uh, are you expecting you know, to be rushed by sports to, to help them or are you going out and proactively engaging some of those sports to say, listen, we can help you? I think the gaps existed uh, um, prior to the COVID virus um, where the integrity policies and procedures haven't been as strong as they should be because uh, limited resources and limited funding. I think the priority for us is to now go out and make sure that we do work with them, engage them right from the start and listen to them, understand what their problems are, their, their funding shortfalls and work with them to make sure we can protect them in the lead up to the Olympics and beyond. Sport Integrity Australia is going to cover a fair remit, isn't it? Because it includes the manipulation of sporting competitions, use of drugs and doping methods in sport, abuse of children and other persons in the sporting environment, bullying, intimidation, discrimination, harassment in sport. There's a fair range there, isn't it? Not just anti-doping anymore. It's a, it's a big thing for you to get your head around. Yeah, it is. That, uh, that certainly there are um, agencies and units out there that have dealt with these issues over many years and taking that on board, um, you know, our anti-doping programs are quite strong and, and well-established and under the World Anti-Doping Code. Um, so this, for me, is an opportunity for us to bring together the other issues that we need to address, like protection um, in sport and child protection and safeguarding. Um, and, and betting markets, we need to coordinate our response nationally and work in collaboration with all the different relevant partners, regulatory bodies, state and territory law enforcement, uh, sporting organisations, to be able to address those issues in a coordinated way so that together we are much more powerful than what we would be working on these issues individually. You mentioned there a moment ago, stage two, and we're looking here at sports betting with the Sports Betting Integrity Unit within the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission coming into SEA eventually. That's going to be a major development in Australian sport, isn't it, that one body will be able to cover so many issues with regards to integrity in sport? It is, Tim, and, and what's critical to that is for us to understand the betting markets, the spikes, the trends, um, and coordinating the intelligence, but uh, really importantly, to be able to work with those betting agencies on understanding the markets and protecting the markets, but then being able to provide intelligence back to the sporting bodies so that they too understand what the threats are. Just on the appointment uh, from a personal point of view, I'm excited by the challenge ahead because it is going to be a challenge, isn't it? Tim, I love a challenge, but um, being able to bring together uh, a combination of a passion and love for sport and having played sport and being in, being in, in administration of sport with a 30-year policing career targeting uh, 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 organised crime and corruption, uh, to bring them together and then add the, um, the, the value to that of understanding the threats um, posed to athletes be able to protect them and put a ring around them and and go after the organised crime that want to exploit them. I think that's what I'm really excited about and looking forward to the challenge. Can you envisage that organised crime might be looking at the fact that there is this void in sport through the COVID shutdown and the fact that a number of key staff have left organisations and possibly left them a little shaky? Can you envisage that some criminal element might be looking at that thinking, well, there might be a crack appearing 
there and that and that's what you're talking about that protective ring I can guarantee it, Tim. Um, Organised crime networks uh, who exploit betting markets and move money offshore and in black market um, betting betting markets and uh, money movements, they will be reading every media article on any given day to look at what sports have dropped off on their uh, integrity staff and their welfare staff, what sports uh, have dropped off on their supervision of, of athletes, they will be looking at every opportunity. They'll read the media. They will know it as good as anyone in our world. Because you have been in that world to a certain degree, haven't you? In, during your policing career, you've sort of analysed and you've pursued through um, through various channels, haven't you? Absolutely. Looked at organised crime all over the world, Tim, and, and um, what they, they don't care what the commodity is. They just care what the profit is and where the profit's going to come from and where the best profit margin is. And they will exploit the COVID virus, um, to make money. All right, David, uh, thanks very much for joining us on Onside. Really looking forward to the 1st of July with Sport Integrity Australia being launched and congratulations on uh, being appointed as the inaugural CEO. Thanks, Tim. David Sharp, who's the inaugural CEO of Sport Integrity Australia. We'll be back with more with Onside in just a moment. This is Onside, the official podcast of Asada. Welcome back to Onside. Time now for So I Was Wondering, where Asada staff answer questions from the public. And today's question is, I'm training overseas, will I still be tested? To answer the question, we've been joined by Steve Northey, Asada's Sports Operations Manager. Well, Steve, the question is, I'm training overseas, will I still be tested? Yes, uh, thanks, Tim. Um, the answer to that is, is yes. Um, certainly uh, an athlete who is subject to a, an ASADA anti-doping policy uh, can certainly be tested uh, while they are overseas. So is this a question that athletes commonly ask? Uh, I think so, yes. Um, despite ASADA having quite a, a very good education uh, platform to inform athletes, um, it, it's certainly a question that we do get from time to time um, and certainly uh, we do the best we can to try and educate athletes on that. Because it is important, isn't it, for athletes to have whereabouts so that you know exactly where they are, not just in Australia, but across the world. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, we do have a, a registered testing pool where athletes are required to submit their whereabouts. Uh, and ASADA certainly maintains a position that an athlete can be tested anywhere, anytime. Um, this obviously includes athletes who may be training, living or competing abroad. And ASADA, of course, has agreements with other anti-doping agencies worldwide, don't they? Absolutely. So ASADA um, uses a number of agreements, um, either with other anti-doping organisations or sample collection agencies abroad, uh, and they do uh, the testing on ASADA's behalf. Uh, the agreements that we do have um, with these relevant organisations, uh, they tend to provide us a very broad testing capability uh, to cover off pretty much anywhere an athlete might be um, when they are overseas. So Steve, athletes can be tested by other organisations overseas? That's correct, yeah. So it's not just ASADA that they can be tested uh, or, or, or the organisation that is requesting the testing. So while an athlete is living or training overseas, they could also be tested by the local anti-doping organisation of the country they're in uh, or potentially the International Federation of uh, the athlete belong who they belong to could actually request a test on their behalf as well. So uh, important for athletes to remember that it's not just ASADA uh, that could conduct that test on them whilst abroad. And you encourage feedback, don't you, to, to work out whether or not it's gone well or not? 
Yeah, that's right, Tim. So um, we encourage uh, any kind of feedback when an athlete is tested abroad. Uh, that's either good or bad. Uh, and I think uh, the main way of doing that, that an athlete could provide that to us, is downloading and logging onto the ASADA app. Uh, and there's a provision in that app which uh, can provide feedback back to ASADA. Thanks, Steve. That's Steve Northey, ASADA's Sports Operations Manager. And the question he answered there was, I'm training overseas, will I still be tested? More with Onside in just a moment. Time now for a fast fact. All blood transfusions received in or out of hospital require a therapeutic use exemption, commonly known as a TUE. It does not need to be done before the treatment is performed if it is an emergency situation. In an emergency situation, appropriate treatment should be carried out first. A TUE should be applied for after the medical situation is stabilised or resolved. That was Shelley Ray, ASADA's Strategy Development Officer. Thanks for listening to Onside. I'm Tim Gavel. You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to executiveoffice at asada.gov.au. For more information about clean, fair sport, visit our website, asada.gov.au or check out our clean sport app.